Hello and welcome to today's episode of the ABCs, Authors Between the Covers. What makes successful authors tick? What does it take to sell that manuscript? Is self-publishing a good option? Or is selling your book to a big publishing house still the only way to fly? What about keeping up with your first big success? We'll talk about all this and more on today's show, hosted by journalist and publisher Hope Katz Gibbs, author of Truly Amazing Women Who Are Changing the World and PR Rules, The Playbook. Hello, and welcome to this month's episode of the Authors Between the Cover Show on the Incandescent Radio Network and incandescent.tv. I'm Hope Katz Gibbs, producer and host of the show, and I am deeply honored to be here with today's guest, Lisa C. I was introduced to this New York Times bestselling author when my longtime freelance client, Costco Magazine, assigned me to write about her latest book for the June 2023 issue of the Costco Connection. It is the historical novel, Lady Tan's Circle of Women, and it is truly the most anticipated book for the summer of 2023. It is inspired by a true story of a woman physician in 15th century China, and in the book we learn how the main character breaks free from tradition and goes on to treat women and girls from every level of society. Oh, I so can't wait to hear all about this. But first and foremost, welcome Lisa. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. It's wonderful. Yes, yes, yes. So before we get into our Q&A, let's tell the audience a little bit about you. As I mentioned, Lisa is a New York Times bestselling author of a dozen books, including The The Island of Sea Women, The Tea Girl of Hummingbird Lane, and Dreams of Joy, which debuted at number one. She was born in Paris, but grew up in Los Angeles. We are talking to her from there now. And she lived with her mother, but spent a lot of time with her father's family in Chinatown and says she has always been intrigued by stories that have been lost, forgotten, or deliberately covered up, whether in the past or happening right now in the world today. She was honored as a National Woman of the Year by the Organization of Chinese American Women in 2001. She was the recipient of the Chinese American Museum's History Makers Award in 2003. And in 2017, she received the Golden Spike Award from the Chinese Historical Society of Southern California. Oh, I so can't wait to learn more. So let's begin there. Tell us about what took you on this path to being a writer, born in Paris, raised in LA? You know, born in Paris sounds more glamorous than it was. My parents were students and um, I slept in a dresser drawer for the first six weeks of my life and then we came home. So I, I can't really call myself a Parisienne, you know, but um, I, my mother was a writer. My mother's father was a writer. Sometimes I joke around and say, you know, it's a good thing they weren't plumbers, but why couldn't they have been brain surgeons? Uh, because I did just sort of learn by watching them And I feel like I had a lifelong apprenticeship as a writer. But, you know, that's my mother's side of the family. And so very much connected to what they did and how they did it. Uh, Certainly the way I write, you know, is is something that my mother did and also her father did, which is to write a thousand words a day. But the other side of my family is Chinese. And so my great-great-grandfather, 
father came here to work on the building of the railroad. My great grandfather came and stayed and he became kind of the godfather patriarch of Los Angeles Chinatown. And he had four wives, one of whom you can guess was white. This was back when it was against the law for Chinese down to a quarter to marry white people in this state. It stayed that way here in California till 1948 in other states till 1967. Anyway, in Los Angeles, when I was a girl, uh, I had about 400 relatives. There were about a dozen that looked like me, the majority still full Chinese and then this little spectrum in between. And so when I looked around me, what I saw were Chinese faces, what I experienced was Chinese culture, Chinese tradition, Chinese language, Chinese food. And that's why I write the kinds of books that I do. That is so fabulous. So let's talk a little bit about this book. What inspired you to write this one? This is book number 12. Is that correct? I, it's either 12 or 13. I should go count them. Maybe that's bad luck, though, to count them. So I think the first thing to say is I think about books for a very long time before I decide this is the one. You mentioned Tea Girl of Hummingbird Lane. I had been thinking about that for 20 years before one day I sort of figured out my way into the story. With the Island of Sea Women, it was, I don't know, about four or five years before I sort of, you know, circumstances came together and I knew, okay, this is the one right now. So I knew what the next book was going to be after the Island of Sea Women. There was just one problem, or well, actually two. One is the pandemic arrived. And the second was that that particular book was going to require a research trip deep, deep, deep into a very remote part of China. No way I could go. I mean, there was just no way in 2020, no way in 2021. And, you know, they only just lifted their really severe quarantines a few months ago. So there was just no way. And I hate to say it, but I kind of was moping around like, my life is over. What am I going to do? You know, I can't do the thing that I love. I mean, I, I couldn't go do research in China. I also couldn't do research in all the usual places that I do it. I live very close to UCLA. I've been in all seven research libraries. Those were all closed. You know, research institutions around the world were closed. So all that just ended in 2020. And I honestly, I, I know a lot of people were sort of feeling like, now, now what? And I definitely was. There came a moment in October of 2020, I was walking just through my office, like where along the shelves where I have all my research books. And one spine of one kind of popped out at me. I don't know why, gray with darker gray lettering, but I pulled it down. Uh, reproducing Women, Pregnancy and Childbirth in the Ming Dynasty. And I looked, I'd had that book on my shelf for 10 years and had never opened it. And so I thought, well, here we are in the middle of a pandemic. You know, I've got some time on my hands. And I sat down right that moment to read it. I got to page 19 and there was a mention of Tan Yanshan, uh, who was a woman doctor in the Ming Dynasty who, you know, when she was 50, published a book of her cases. This would be in 1511. So, you know, 500 years ago. And I thought, well, that's fascinating. I set the book down. 
I went to look her up and it turned out that her book was still in print, not just in Chinese, but also in English. And I had a copy of it within about 24 hours. So from instead of the usual 20 years or eight years that I thought about something from the moment that spine jumped out at me until I knew that this was the next book was about 26 hours. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. And I think what really just so attracted me to her was, you know, first of all, being a female doctor 500 years ago, that's very remarkable. I mean, it is true that China has a history of female doctors going back about 2000 years, but still few and far between. But the idea that she had written this book um, and all the cases are women and girls. Uh, so, you know, very unique cases that are, are about us, right? Same, we, we have the same health issues today as we did 500 years ago and we'll have 500 years from today. And so the fact that she had published this, that it was so unique, that it was still in print. And if you think about how many books are still in print from more than 500 years ago, you know, we've got the Bible, the Iliad and the Odyssey, some Greek tragedies and comedies, Beowulf, I think. But after that, you know, my, my, my mind goes blank. I can't think of very many and not any of those were written by women. So just the fact that this is still in print, that um, her remedies are still, many of them used today in traditional Chinese medicine just was amazing to me. Truly amazing. I want to, just from the book, um, according to Confucius, an educated woman is a worthless woman. Talk a little bit about that quote. So Confucius didn't have a lot of, um, we could say, love or respect for women. That is one of his most famous quotes. An educated woman is a worthless woman. But a couple of others, um, a woman should never go more than three steps outside her front door. Uh, when a girl obey your father, when a wife obey your husband, when a widow obey your son. And yet there were women in China, not just Tan Yanshan, but many women who broke through that, you know, who, who said, okay, that's nice. Um, another, you know, all that obey, 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 that people could break away from that. And uh, in the novel, Tan Yanshan's mother at one, mother-in-law at one point says, obey, 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 then do what you want. <laughs> And I actually used that in Snowflower and the Secret Fan um, years ago, but it felt really appropriate to use it again here because um, Tan Yanshan, she did defy so many stereotypes and restrictions for women that were not just within her family, but within the community and the country and even the world at the time. So amazing. All right. Take us through the story because she's she's born into an elite family. And then what takes her uh, just tell our audience about her journey and also about your journey writing this story. So I don't think I'm giving too much away by saying in the by the end of the first chapter, her mother has died and uh, she has sent to live with her grandparents. Now, I do want to say that a lot of the facts in the book are based on the facts of her own life. She wrote a preface to her book that describes many of the things in her life. So she did go and live with her grandparents. And her, she, her grandfather loved to have her recite poetry to him. He would drink 
wine at night and then she would recite poetry. And one time he said, you know, this girl is so clever. She shouldn't just learn how to do embroidery. She should learn my medicine. And uh, of course that opened up a path for her. But in fact, what she did was learn her grandmother's medicine, medicine that was much more focused on women and girls and uh, took a very different approach. So the grandfather and, and men in general at that time felt that, um, for example, women shouldn't be helped through childbirth, that they should just be able to go, you know, squat in the corner, have the baby, jump up, make dinner. Um, but but <laughs> the grandmother takes a very different view about that and also just about women's health in general. And so to have this very different point of view of looking at women and girls. And so eventually, um, and in real life, this is true, she, Tanya and Shun, marries into another elite family and when she was 15, so just very young. And it's there that she started to treat the women and girls who were in that very big compound where she was living with about a hundred of her husband's relatives, right? And, and all, plus the servants who took care of them and the cook and all of those people. So her cases are quite interesting in the sense that most of them are elite women and girls, but a lot of them also are servants, are people who are working really hard to take care of this family, who are often diagnosed with things like excessive work, excessive exhaustion, um, things that I think most women today <laughs> can, can appreciate because we have to do so much in, in our lives, um, you know, trying to have it all. Yeah, it's a little overrated. <laughs> yeah, a little more than a little overrated. So this is just an amazing story about women and all the way back in so far into China's history. I don't think a lot of people know about anything about China, actually, in America, unfortunately, because I had written another story for Costco about that women doctors are very new to America. So this historical fiction is really a history lesson for all of us about the power of women in medicine and how we've been taking care of each other forever, right? Clearly. And actually, you really bring up a very good point because, you know, the field of obstetrics even is very new. It's only about 100 years old. And it was, you know, about 100 years, maybe about 120 years ago, that men started taking over what had traditionally been uh, a completely woman, female oriented practice of helping people deliver babies. And that transition is sort of taking, you know, the, the, all these very natural things out of the control of women and putting it into the control of men. And as you say, you know, it's, it's very recent that we have um, so many female doctors in this country, which again, then sort of sweet, you know, moves the pendulum in a different direction. Yeah, absolutely. But tell the love story in this, talk, talk a little bit more about that, because this is really her coming of age, uh, something that's so, so many women, it resonates with so many women. Yeah. So of course, she, you know, there, there are actually kind of two love stories, right? There's the love story with her husband, but the main love story I think in the book is with her friend, Mei Ling, who is the daughter of a midwife. Now in Chinese medicine, 
um, doctors are never supposed to touch blood. And, uh, but they have this concept of, of blood as a function in the body, but with it like a capital B. But anybody who touches blood is seen as very dirty and it's kind, you're kind of rated like with a butcher. But for many kind of secret reasons, Yanshan's grandmother and this midwife match these two girls and allow them to become friends. And so they're, you know, obviously of different classes. They have, one has a lot of money, the other one doesn't, but they're able to kind of teach each other, you know, a little bit uh, from two different perspectives about how to take care of, of women and girls. And their friendship, I think, is very deep. They, there's a moment when um, Mei Ling actually saves Yanshan's life. There's another moment when it's the opposite, right? When Yanshan saves Mei Ling's life and they are really tied together, almost like sworn sisters, you know, that they, their relationship is so deep. And, but I also think about how this book has that title, you know, Lady Tan's Circle of Women. As I mentioned, she is kind of orphaned and, you know, goes to live with her grandmother and I, I, and she's only seven, right? So just a child. And I think she sees herself very much as an orphan. So to me, a lot of the story is about how she formed, not even realizing it, how she's forming this circle of women where she can take care of them, but they're also taking care of her. And I mean that not just physically, but emotionally as well. And I think all of us um, try to find that, you know, in our lives today, that we rely on other women um, who offer us emotional support when things are difficult, who we can laugh with and have fun with. One of the reasons I keep going back to writing about female friendship is that it is a unique relationship that we have in our lives. We will tell a friend something that we wouldn't tell our boyfriend, our lover, our husband, our mother, our children. It's a very, very unique kind of intimacy. And of course, anytime you open your heart, you're vulnerable. And so I, I guess I keep going back to that kind of dark shadow side of female friendship, all the good stuff, but also those, those dark shadows that, that are lurking in the corners. I love that theme. And that, that to me is really what is, connects your books, right? It's that, <laughs> what is it that makes women tick? What makes us joyful? What makes us feel sad, right? So what do you see as the theme through all of your books? Well, I think it's very much about women, obviously, and, and how women in even the most dire circumstances find each other, find ways to persist and endure. And to me, you know, I, I, I often think a lot about my grandmother, the people who came before me and the struggles that they had. And I'm only here and you're only there because of the people who came before us. We, we really are on their shoulders and they should be inspiring us, but also 
I think by going back to the past and, and looking at how people were getting by when life was so much more difficult than it is today, for the most part, that we see the ways that, and, and I think we can be inspired by the ways that they did persist, that they did endure, that they did have good times, even when circumstances were dire, that you can find joy even in the darkest moments. I mean, you can look for it, you can aspire to finding those moments, and that we get so much of our bravery and courage by the people who are around us and, and, and supporting us and lifting us up. That is a through line through most of my books. And that's amazing. I just love that. And I love this book. It's, 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 it's beautiful. And this will be another bestseller, clearly. So what's next for you? Have you got another idea? Did something else fall off the bookshelf into your hand? Uh, it's actually something that I wrote just a little bit about in my very first book on Gold Mountain, which um, tells the history of the Chinese in America through the eyes of my family. And I, there was an incident here in Los Angeles in 1871 um, when it, there was a massacre of Chinese men and boys, it's considered one of the largest mass lynchings in the history of the United States. And so I'm telling this story from the perspective of the women who were there. So Los Angeles at that time, only 5,000 people. It was considered the wildest and most violent of all of the Wild West towns. Of that 5,000, 190 Chinese, and of that 190, only 34 Chinese women were here. So they were true pioneers uh, in, that, in the true sense of the word of, of a pioneer. Some of them brought um, against their will, most of them brought against their will, and some of them brought here of their own purpose. And so uh, to sort of explore that time period, which was so rough and, and difficult, uh, and to see how they came, what they found when they got here, and then how they eventually made a place for themselves. That sounds fantastic. And all of your books. Everyone should pick them all up because you are a fantastic writer. Last question. What tips do you have for other aspiring novelists? So, well, actually, I mentioned it up at the beginning of uh, what I learned from my mother and my grandfather to write a thousand words a day. That's just four pages. If you can't do that, then you could do 500 words, which is just two pages. At the end of the week, you'd have 10 pages. At the end of two weeks, you have a chapter. So what does that require? The number one thing it requires is just to put your rear end in the chair and to give yourself that time to do it. And so to do that, you know, whether it's 500 or a thousand words. And then the other thing I would say is that you have to be passionate about what you're writing. Sometimes, you know, I'll have, and maybe this is why I think so long about ideas is I think oh, that could, you know, that could be really neat. But then it's like, hmm, you know, it's sort of like a, a fun date. And then you realize the next day, well, maybe that wasn't so great. And so I really do look at these projects more like a marriage than a one night stand that you're, I'm in it for the long haul. And 
as we know, you know, when you're in a relationship, any kind of relationship for the long haul, there are going to be bumps along the way. There are going to be things that are very difficult. But what carries you through is your love and passion for, you know, that person, your friend, or the book project or the writing project. That is amazing. Thank you so much, Lisa C. Everyone, go get a copy of this amazing book, Lady Tan's Circle of Women. You will love it, and you will become a longtime fan of this truly amazing author. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much for having me. This has been great fun. Good. So this article is for Costco's magazine. It will be out in the June 2023 issue. And pick up that book. You can pick it up at Costco. Thank you all for being with us today. You're watching the authors between the cover show, and this will be reported on Incandescent Women Magazine and incandescent.us, which is our PR and publishing site. So thank you, everyone. We will talk to you next month. That's it for today's episode of the ABCs, Authors Between the Covers, hosted by journalist and publisher Hope Katz Gibbs, author of Truly Amazing Women Who Are Changing the World and PR Rules, The Playbook. Be sure to check back next week on the Incandescent Radio Network for another interview with a successful author who is happy to share their story. Here's to writing your heart out and keeping your dreams alive. Thanks so much for listening.